I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now podcast. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection. We depend on you, our community of listeners, for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and you can either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link. We get a small percentage of all of your purchases. Or you can go and sign up for a free trial with Audible.com. Your support will allow Lama Suryadas to continue to illuminate the timeless Tibetan wisdom. Any questions, please? This is the last question period, so do you do your darndest. I know you all write notes, you all ask for interviews, so don't you want to use this time? All of you inquiring minds and questioning skeptics and interested seekers. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Um, I have uh, quite a curiosity about the transmission, um, and I would like to understand more about, uh, hopefully I can frame this. Um, So first I'll talk about, like, if you have a teacher and, and, and you get a transmission, like, does the person have to be ready to resonate with that transmission? Do they, like, how does that happen and what's that process? And then my sort of second part is with the um, teachers that have uh, died, how does that work? 
So the second one's easy to take on. I'm easy for me to say. Um, it, it doesn't matter whether they're died or not. And as for the first one, and there are many examples we could give. I don't want to go down that route right now and then even explain about it. But then the first one, it's kind of like, um, well, your particular part of the question was the, the person has to be ready to receive it. But you're really asking about transmission. So from the teacher, you said specifically. So um, it's kind of like love, marriage, sex, etc. Do you have to be ready to receive it? Is it always the same, or is it you know more like a wave? You know, where I think different things happen at different times, and you know it's all part of something. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes there's love at first sight. Sometimes it has to be developed. Sometimes it comes and goes. Or even better, let's talk about it more gross as a character, a sex transmission. Do you have to be ready to receive it? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes less, sometimes by accident, sometimes on purpose, sometimes in, while you're asleep. I mean in your dreams. You with me? That's a caricature, but not a bad analogy. So with teachers, I know you've been meditating in the Vipassana tradition, Theravada tradition for a few decades. Teachers less stressed, therefore they don't talk much about transmission, although they do talk about it like transmitting the monk and nun vows is a lineage transmission. You have to get from monks and nuns. But they don't talk that much about transmission as the in the Zen mind-to-mind transmission talk, and in the Vajrayana talk about empowerment, lineage, introduction to nature of mind, visionary transmission, and so on. So where the teacher is more stressed, that's the point. The teacher is more stressed, so there's more use of this opportunity to uh, tune in person to person with the living embodiment of the archetype of enlightenment, the Buddha. Is that too abstract? Yeah. So with the person, it's easy. You know, it's like um, if you have a wonderful, inspiring, I don't know, perhaps you were raised Christian or Jewish or something. What? Uh, a little bit Christian. Yeah. Perhaps you were raised Christian, as in here we are in a Judeo-Christian and more diverse country now. So if you have a really inspiring priest or minister or somebody, they transmit or inspire or, you know, you get something from them about Jesus, their faith, their devotion, their knowledge, their way of being with you, their generosity, their kindness, you know, whatever inspires you. You get not just what they say in the sermon, but something is transmitted, just like with parents to children. It's not just what you say, but what you do. And even more than that, what you be that's transmitted to your children. So if you have a person that represents the archetype, like Jesus or God, then it's easier for most of us to relate to. So it's transmitted. It's not just taught or explained. It's more like vibration or energy or intuition or something to imitate. There's an exemplar. So when somebody asks His Holiness Gyawang Drukpa, what is blessings? He says, it's encouragement and inspiration. He's considered a great master, a great blesser, but you know, he, he doesn't sit there thinking, now I'm going to give, I don't know, that one, like five 
apples or, or five, you know, pounds of blessing and that one, you know, two pounds. It's not the way it works. There's many things at work directing things, just like I'm teaching here this week. I'm trying, trying to chart a course and follow a course of Dzogchen lineage in a certain direction. Not just st this subject or that subject that's on the board today, different than the one that was on the board yesterday. So I'm trying to transmit, as I said, Dzogchen, not just teach about it. So if the person is not there, you can still get it by thinking of them, for example, or dreaming of them. And if the person's dead, you can still get it by thinking of them or dreaming of them. Just like people say, Jesus came into my life, even though Jesus, I guess, died 2,500 years ago or whatever he did and was resurrected, no doubt. But you know what I'm saying? He didn't walk in the door all of a sudden of your room, probably. But he came into your life. The, 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 the energy, the Jesus beam was transmitted somehow because you, you were ready to receive it. It's a combination of, what do they always say? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. But there's leaving out the other side. When the teacher is ready, the student appears also. So we try to get ready as students. And then when there's roles where we end up being teachers, we're still ready or trying to get ready. And there's a reciprocity of transmission, not just we study this subject and we teach that subject. That's more mental. So even the word energy is a little vague, you know, vibration or transmission, but that's the realm we're talking about. So like you probably, I don't know, learned some things from some people. You had many teachers growing up and going to school like I did, but maybe there's one or two that were like mentors. Well, your favorite, we would call a favorite teacher. But, you know, in retrospect, I guess that was a mentor, but maybe not. But I don't know, you could probably think of somebody who was your mentor. That's more like transmission than just information, right? And even though they're perhaps and probably dead, you're still getting that radiance from them because they're in your mind, they're alive in your psyche where there's no time, just like your parents or grandparents. You still get it, you, you know, you're not an orphan just because they're dead. You still have parents. That's my way of thinking. Well, an orphan doesn't. So I hope that um, relates to you. Okay. Thank you. And let's not forget, therefore, the, the notion of teacher or guru or instructor or mentor, there's kind of different uses and levels. So in the Theravadan tradition, when they talk about teacher, they talk about spiritual friend, as Buddha called it, Kalyana Mitra, not guru. That may or may not be a master or an enlightened master. It might just be somebody who got ordained one day before you, so they show you the ropes. See what I'm saying? So there's different uses or levels of the notion of teacher, instructor, mentor, guru, you know, kindergarten teacher, French teacher, driving t instructor, teacher, professor, guru, see what I'm saying? If you want to look at it hierarchically. So do I understand it correctly that there are so, so there's sort of the behavioral aspects, the teaching aspects, and then there's another component which is sort of energetic, kind of? Yes. Okay. But it's not that there isn't the energetic component within the teaching and the behavioral. But we're just trying to tease out what's, you know, 
the brocade, what's woven together, see the different strands. But it's about the brocade, not about that there's a gold thread and there's a silver thread and there's a you know, black thread and a white thread. That's just in the point of view of putting it together or analyzing it and taking it apart. But brocade has a different use. Like, you know, you make it into a, I don't know, whatever it is, this Walter cloth. So that's why we say the three-in-one, the view, meditation, and action are all in, you know, the awareness practice or the Buddha Dharma Sangha. It's not just the three jewels. It's the triple gem. It's three it's in one. And it's hard to talk about this without getting into all kinds of politically incorrect language, but the husband and the wife make a unit, you know, there's the sacred third. They're both in that, even though they still have some separateness, but they're both in that. The yin and the yang make the Tao symbol, and they're not separate, you know, like the chocolate and vanilla cookie. They're inseparable, and one is part of the other. Thank you. So my gurus, although most of them died, they never died to me. They're still alive as if they were over there in Nepal or Sikkim or wherever they were. They're always with me, I feel, and I meet them in my practice, sort of, not that they have visions of them all the time. And um, whether they're alive or dead doesn't change that much. Just like, I don't know, when I'm in New York, I feel like my father and mother are there, you know, even though they're dead. Because I was always there with them, and they were always there with me. And I was joking with my um, niece about this recently. Is it really different, like we're here now, is it different if grandma and grandpa were sitting there in their corner house in Long Island or they're in the cemetery? And my niece said, yes, definitely. So I said, yeah, that's very true. But, you know, that's not the whole story. You know, like we're still talking about them and feeling about them. We know what they think about what we're doing now, and we miss them, but we also love them. You know, it's about the love, right? We have the love, even though we don't have their bodies in the room, or for that matter, walking around on the earth. So with the guru principle, we say the guru never dies. Like Jesus, I think that's the meaning of Jesus never died. The person died, but not the principle, the Christos. I'm just giving my own theology here. I don't know what Catholics really understand or think. See what I'm saying about resurrection? So the guru principle never dies. So you still, just like you still have your parents, you're not an orphan, even though they may be dead. You have the parenting in you. That's the transmission, not just the information. So in our tradition, the greatest Dzogchen master in history was Longchenpa, who lived in around 13, I don't know, 50 to 14 to 20, something like that. Anyway, and his greatest disciple is Jigme Lingpa, the fearless master, Jigme Lingpa, who lived in the 1700s. During his three-year cave retreats, Jigme Lingpa had many direct visions of Longchenpa and received hundreds of transmissions from him and wrote down and had revelations, and that's where we have Longchenpa's hard essence practices from this great disciple who wrote them down from his master in his visions. So there's said to be a difference between visions and hallucinations, even though the master was dead 300 years. That's what they say. That's Tibetan Buddhism for you. 
Questions? Yes. Anybody we haven't heard from? Because we're getting to the end of the week. If you're slow to the draw. I'm still asking my question. Okay. Thank you. We have heard from you, but go ahead. It's very technical and potentially short. Um, so you're in the last, and we're talking about lineage. You're the last one in the line right now, correct? I would never say that. But what's your question? Maybe you, you should think, if you think that way, you should think you're the last one in the line to the extent that you are or want to be or can imagine. Why me? Why should it well, stop with me? I'm just talking me? technically, right, from an ordained standpoint, from a secret inner teaching standpoint, right? It's been passed on to you. Yes, and others, no doubt. So when we look at whatever page it is, the Zotin lineage, and you're the last one on the page, is it, is it up to you then to pass that on to somebody else, or does it not matter? Because, as you say, it's, it, it lies in all of us. What's That's my, I'm passing on someone else. Is <laughs> one by one. But you're, you're responsible for you, whether you uphold the lineage or not. You know, it's like, it's just like your family. Just like I was telling her about love and sex. Are you the last one in your genetic lineage from your parents and grandparents? No. So it's like that. And I forget the way you put it, but do you have to pass it on to someone? No, I guess no. that's my question. Yeah. yeah well, you have a child. Well, I've already passed it on. Yeah, so. So, but did you have to? No, I wanted to. So now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, now we're so talking. So I want to. So do you want to? I am. I have. Yeah. I've been doing it for I'm trying to. Okay. Maybe not successfully, I guess. <laughs> On the end of the line, I don't. I can't remember mules, donkeys, and horses, but there's someone that's the end of the line and doesn't reproduce, right? Yeah. That's not good from the point of view of the bet. You know, what what one considers the best thing in the world. Like if you love the dharma, you think it's the best thing in the world. You don't want to be that animal that can't reproduce. The dharma. You know what I'm talking about? Mules, donkeys, I don't know, something like that. And if you're, you know, I don't know, if you're into love and you have a mate and then you have children, I guess you like to pass on the love and feel the love both ways. Not just you want to have children so you can love them, but also they love you and then they love others and the love, whatever you want to call it, the family, the lineage, the genes, you know, goes on. And that resonates with me. I think where I get caught up is where I feel like it's the, um, like I feel like there is this path that somebody, that Buddha walked, and now we're all walking it. And it's our job to keep walking that path so that others can follow it. And I get stuck on when I read some of the sacred texts and the lineage, like is there a more rigidity to it? Like Buddha had lots of followers. Yes. Uh, Neil Shokempo had lots of Right. Followers, but he passed on the lineage to you. So that's and where other, it's... And others. So, okay. And others. So they're just not on that page. That's right. <laughs> okay. I didn't even put me on that page. I think my students put You're it on, on that page. Yeah. I didn't put me on that page. Okay. When I pray to lineage, I don't include my name at the end. You know, like I'm me, so I have my lineage. Yeah. I don't pray to me. I know. Maybe you should. I should, probably, because I'm so blessed. <laughs> But it kind of gets short-circuited at that point. <laughs> you know, like the magnet? 
Yes. The positive and negative in school, you keep trying to put them together, and what do they do? You know? It pushes apart, but it also goes like that. Thank you. So you don't pray to you, you pray to Kuntazampo, for example. Uh, questions, last question. Reactivity is a problem for me, and I just mm -hmm. yes. wonder if you had any interesting, uh, helpful comments. As I said the other day, karma means action and reaction. Karma means action. Karma means conditioning. Karma means reactivity, really. Not just action, it means reaction. That's the problem, reaction. So we're heavily conditioned. That means we keep reacting in the same way and digging, you know, the synapse, trench, rut deeper. And then it's hard to get out of it. Like the Grand, it becomes like the Grand Canyon, we think, you know, when you're so addicted or so conditioned. Like the Grand Canyon's a deeply eroded riverbed rather than just a little one that can still spread like an, I don't know, a fluvial plain or something, you know. You can be free, freedom to different directions. So a lot of this practice is about um, undoing or, or purifying or loosening the reactivity. Like when we're practicing awareness practice, mindfulness, let's say basic, hit basic. Aware of things, not just blindly reacting to them, like liking and disliking, you know, attraction, aversion. So that we can choose. We have a space between stimulus and response, how we respond, not just react. Stimulus and reaction, not just blind knee-jerk reaction. So if somebody steps on your toe or cuts you off in traffic or something comes up in your mind, you have some mental space for mindfulness rather than mindlessly, blindly reacting. You can choose how, when, and if to respond. So it's not that we're trying to have no reactions ever. You know, you might even have faster, what do they call it, reaction time as needed, because you don't have a lot of neurosis or cobwebs and gunks in between. Yes. That's why virtues are extolled and cultivated like equanimity, resilience, patience, forbearance, tolerance, acceptance, not just reacting all the time, you know, like bumper cars out of control. So let's end here. Thank you for listening to Lama Suryadas's Awakening Now Hour. We very much appreciate your support and hope you will continue by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash suryadas and link to the donate button or go to the amazon.com link for all of your purchases. Namaste. Namaste.